Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Anime Lounge Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, alongside with my other co-host, Lance. And today we have our special friend, Tyler, who joined us for the Yu Yu Hakusho episode. Yeah, I'm back. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you back. So, as per our tradition, we always have a, an adult beverage of choice. My adult beverage of choice today is just going to be a Jack Daniels single barrel, going pretty standard there, and then get to chase it down with the summer shandy. Nice. I'm going to be similar in the sense that I, too, am going to be drinking a Jack Daniels. Mine's a single barrel rye, and I will be chasing mine down with a summer shandy as well. What about you, Tyler? I'll be just drinking a Cider Boys Strawberry Magic, just keeping it nice and simple. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I remember you don't really drink too much hard liquor, right? I I drink hard liquor, but having to get up at 4 in the morning for work, can't mix the two too well. (laughs) Uh, Everyone can relate to that one. Oh, yeah. Lance, can you give us the synopsis for this episode? All right, so today we will be covering seasons 1 through 3 of My Hero Academia. In My Hero, we follow our main character, Midoriya, who is later named Deku as his hero's name. He's born into a world where most people have superpowers that are called quirks, but he is amongst the minority who is born quirkless. One day, his high school friend is being attacked, and even though Midoriya is without a quirk, he still tries to save his friend. Earth's mightiest hero, All Might, sees this action and deems Midoriya to be his next successor. With this new power that he has been gifted, Midoriya enrolls into one of the top hero academies so that he can become a full-fledged hero. Through his time learning, Midoriya is faced with villains that he must take down, and we get to see a bunch of fun action come from there because I think a lot of these villains in this show are pretty freaking sweet. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about both for the good guys and the bad guys. Definitely. And before we get any further, let's just jump into Lance's lessons. Lance's lessons today is going to be the Japanese phrase for do your best. That is ganbate. Ganbate is spelled G-A-N-B-A-T. T-E. And this is the aggressive form to make sure that you're going to do your best. So you may hear this a lot in, you know, all your regular Japanese subs. Kanbate, do your best. Of course, we all have our favorite heroes and of course we all have our favorite villains. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good segue to start this thing because we usually uh, talk about favorite characters in general. Yep. So let's just continue with that train. Matt, you got a favorite character in general? Um... So for our Instagram and Facebook followers, they know that I have a Bakugo figure. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. But I think I might go a little bit different. And no, you know what? I got to go with Bakugo. It's at least now. He, he is, as I've said previously, he's basically Vegeta in a younger version and everything that I like about Vegeta, you see in Bakugo. The only difference is Bakugo is one of your top people. Mm-hmm. And his rival, uh, Izuku, is not. So it, it's just that badassness in Bakugo. And then in the manga, he swears all the time. It's hilarious. And it's just, it's great seeing him 
We'll go more into some other reasons why I like him later as we're talking through everything, but he's definitely my favorite. Tyler, what about you? Who's your favorite? I'd have to say my favorite character slash hero is probably going to be Eraserhead. Eraserhead, really? Nice. Just like his quirk in general is just so strong yet limited to Mm -hmm. what he can do, but just how he teaches and how he handles his students and just other things in general Mm -hmm. is just an all-around awesome character. And oh, yeah. It's just, and also with his sash, it's just, what he can do is awesome. Yeah, that stringy thing that he can control like that is pretty freaking sweet. I like when he activates his quirk, like, kind of gets, like, <laughs> Super Saiyan here going a little bit, and, like, it flashes away from him so he can see that he's using it. Yeah. I just like how tired and, like, annoyed his voice is, but yet, at the same time, he's, like, heartfully concerned for his students. So it's a lot of good mixes. I think that's like the one thing that I loved. Like when I realized like he was probably my favorite like character is when he just showed up to class in a sleeping bag, told him <laughs> to figure it out and passed out yeah. class. Yeah. Yeah. The first handful of classes, he's always just tired in a sleeping bag. Like, yeah, not really my problem. It falls asleep. Yeah. You guys figure out who was going to be your class rep. I'm just going to take a nap real quick. <laughs> yeah. I liked him a lot. Lance, what about you? Who's your favorite? Um, and I, I know I've said this when we covered the My Hero movies. It's pretty much a good tie between Shoto and Bakugo. I think overall, I want to choose Bakugo. Okay. Um, Just because of his explosiveness, yep. his speed patterns that he picks up, as these, how quick he is to learn stuff. I like the concept that he can blast himself through air like that. Mm-hmm. His, and his just agility in the air. I don't know. He's just so explosive and funny and he's definitely an amazing character but to give a quick little spin let's throw shoto into this half fire half ice two amazing powers i kind of think i like his ice half more just because you know in the same vein of explosiveness as soon as he goes full out he can blow up an entire stadium with just ice and i think that's amazing yeah the fact that during the when they're in the stadium during the tournaments on their one one v ones, he literally just covers the entire stadium in ice like it was nothing within <laughs> half a second. Right, it yep. just it exploded out of nowhere with it, and like it was nothing. It was easy light work. So op. Well, when he when they do the in the first season when it, they're doing that training, the villain versus hero training, and he just freezes the entire building, mm-hmm. and then just nonchalantly wins the challenge. Mm-hmm. It was so awesome. I will say. He is pretty awesome. I like his character development a lot. One thing you can say about Bakugo is he's kind of, except for at the end of season three, Bakugo is pretty much the same as far as attitude is concerned. The yep. entire the entire first three seasons. Yeah, I can see that. And with Shoto, you're seeing ups, downs. One thing I noticed is like there's a lot of kind of dark themes sprinkled throughout the series. Because, I mean, you got like, child abuse mm-hmm. from Endeavor that scarred Shoto emotionally. And then, you know, his mom throws the hot tea on his face and gives him that actual scar on his face. Right. Yeah. It was one of those things like the first time through, I didn't really notice how dark the themes were in this show. Oh no, no, no. I, I remember that just as, just as well as I watched it the first time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's because I was just so drawn into the show yep. when this was first out. Yeah, I think part of my problem was the first time I watched it through, I was so drawn in that I just binged like the first four seasons. 
Right. Mm-hmm. I think I might have binged the first three seasons actually, and didn't really take in those those subplots mm-hmm. that you see throughout the entire show. Um, do you have a favorite quirk? You guys have a favorite quirk that isn't. If it's from your favorite character, cool. That like they're all awesome. But do you guys have a favorite quirk specifically? It could be a villain or it could be a a hero. I should have thought about this. <laughs> Oddly enough, like my favorite superpower mm-hmm. hasn't been used yet. Okay. My favorite superpower is teleporting. And through the five seasons that are out at this moment, I don't think a single person can teleport. I think, I, we've seen that yet. I think you're right. But of the first three seasons, do you guys have a, a favorite quirk? Tyler, is yours going to be a Racerhead's quirk? I'm not really sure. Like, I, I love, like, his character development and his quirk, but I don't know if it's my overall favorite. Okay. I might go, like, a little bit of dark with Shigaraki's with the decay. Okay, yep. Just that... the fact that all, all it takes is just all five fingers to touch. Whatever you touch is just done. Yep. And the fact, like... <sighs> I might get my seasons mixed up, but like when he had Deku in the mall. Yep. Yeah, all that all was all he had to do. Two. Yep, that was two. Yeah, all he had to do was just keep one finger off, and it, it, at the same time, it's a tease. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and like a and a threat, but it, it's it's probably one of my favorite ones for at least one through three that we've seen. Yep. And now that you've brought up Shigaraki, I know who I'd want. Okay. Uh, all for one, the bad guy. That's kind of cheating because that's all of them. Super cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is 100% cheating because, of course, he can just absorb everybody. Yep. Um, uh, we can... Actually, we do have a teleportation. It is the mask guy. So give me one second. And Kurogiri. I'm... Yeah, Kurogiri. He can teleport. Technically, he can teleport because he can go from one location yeah, to another. Warp... Oh, he's the warp, warp gate. Yeah, he's yeah. A warp gate. Okay, warp gate. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much there i mean that's something that he can open up next to him and then him and other people can go out the side yeah i guess when i just think of teleportation i just think of nightcrawler nightcrawler or um in dragon ball z where the instant transmission yep that too yeah so yeah i guess uh warp gate will be the next best thing that we could think of okay um if all for one is cheating. <laughs> uh, I'd say a little bit. <laughs> it's definitely cheating. 100% cheating. So while you're thinking about it, can I say who I think or I thought would be your favorite? Okay, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards one. What do you think it is? Uh, Tokoyami. Oh, Shadow? Dark yeah. Shadow? I, I figured... Oh, I didn't even think about him, but he is pretty freaking sweet. I thought because kind of that spawn-ish resemblance to mm-hmm. him... Especially and, in season three when he starts to cooperate with them. Yeah, where yeah he, that's that's definitely where he becomes way more useful in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But I do kind of want to go with Shoto's, at least his ice half. Okay, well, if you're picking Shoto, you get everything. So you get all of it. Okay, so yeah. If I were to be anybody in the entire series, I mean, of course, I would love to be Midoriya too, but... <laughs> I think I would want to go Shoto. Half okay. ice, half fire. So, I, think, meant. so oh. I had to do like a little bit of research because I know mm-hmm. uh, the provisional license was at the very end of three. Yep. And you touched on it for a little bit and then it dragged into four. Yep. So my probably my runner up, uh, I don't know where I'd place him over Shigaraki, mm-hmm. but uh, Yorarashi with his wind. Oh, yep. yep. Just the, his be- ability to control wind probably is one of my favorites. 
Wait, the whirlwind guy? Yeah, yeah. the whirlwind oh, guy from Inasa? the other from school. Shikatsu High. Yep. From the second best, the one that rival that wants to like rival Shoto yep. because he hates his dad. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember if he was in three or if he was only in four. I had a yeah, had to do a little yep. quick research. Yeah, I guess <laughs> you went ahead and overdid your watching and we're covering oh. season one through three and you gotta <laughs> jump into four right away. Hey man, it just it was it was taunting me. It continued and <laughs> I know my favorite fight was in four, so I had to I had to rewatch it again. Yep. But we're talking one through three. Yep. Matt, you got a Favorite person, favorite quirk? Um, I'm going to go All Might. Nah, see, yeah, that was that would be the next cheating in line. I found his de- like his description of his quirk to be hilarious because he's like, you remember that guy that at the pool and he just kind of puffs out his chest? That's my quirk, and then he deflates. And it was, I thought it was hilarious. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm only 500 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> only. And yeah, it was. I like his just super strength, super speed. And all the all those things which everybody who's listening, they've probably watched later seasons of My Hero. They know what happens to Izuku later on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about all for one. I'm literally just talking about All Might's, how, how he uses his own powers. Okay. I guess, I guess that's a little bit more fair. And you get to see so much in this. His fight with all for one mm-hmm. was awesome. And it, it was really good. Man, it, it was... There were so many unique quirks in this. That's one thing I love about this show is that they didn't kind of just have your run-in-the-mill quirks because, I mean, they had naval laser and then... Yeah, so many random-ass quirks. Well, like Coda being able to talk to animals. Yeah, that was was awesome. It's it's not something that you would expect. Especially at, like, a top-notch hero kind of expectation. Like, how is something so weird gonna turn out to be something that a top-notch hero one of the best schools you're and you, one of our main characters and you got to see it at the end of the provisional license like how useful his court can be mm-hmm. as long as he's using it to its fullest abilities and then you just got random ones again like minetta just sticky <laughs> balls <That's Yep>. all. <laughs> it's just sticky balls but somehow he makes it work yep and like jiru i i thought her Jack? Yep, I thought hers was really cool. And then how they played off of it where it's like, oh, yeah, I play basically every instrument known to man. Yeah, just because she just loves music in general at that yep. point. It was so awesome. So I got like, a, it's like a random kind of like question for, because like speaking of like All Might's ability, like it's quirk. Uh-huh. So technically in like in the show, they defined it as it's power storage. So is there a limit to eventually it could just die out? I'm going to say no. I don't think there's a limit. Much like his opposite, you know, one for or all for one. All Might's power, one for all, transfers everything that that current person has and learned from his press precessors or whatever. Mm-hmm. And predecessors. Then predecessors, which was D in there. And then all, ev- literally everything is transferred to the next person. So so it's pretty much like power storage, but you don't lose the power you yeah. gain. And so it's it's because I know it was mixed with all for one's uh, brothers, right? It quirk, was which was quirk transfer. Yep, which is why he's able to pass it. But right, yeah, assuming, he gave him like the next best quirk, which is like kind of the opposite. Like so instead of. I'm assuming it's you pass it to like if you gave it to Bakugo. Mm-hmm. When he passed it on, his quirk would also go with it. Where yeah, that's I, the power or the power storage it stores their power from the previous user. I think that's kind of how they were trying to explain how it works. Yeah, okay. yeah, and the original 
person who got one for all. Um, he didn't, they talk about how he didn't even know he had a cork until he got that cork from all for one. And then he was like, oh man, I can, I can actually make use of what he gave me. So I mm-hmm. thought that was, that was really good. It was kind of clever and it was a good way to make it seem realistic mm-hmm. as far as the transferring of the quirks and the stacking of everything. Right. So I want to say as all for one can absorb many quirks quickly, one for all over a long period of time can absorb different quirks and give someone like every ability as as the generations go on, essentially. One thing I will say is they will essentially go into it. Yeah, because there's I wrote it down somewhere. At this point, what, Midoriya is number like eight or nine, seven, eight, nine in, in the line right now? I think he's nine. He's, he's eight. Because he I, okay. I remember during the UA festival that there were seven shadows. Mm-hmm. And, and All Might was the seventh. So okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's the eighth one in line. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, I'm pretty sure you're right. And it'll be, it'll be really cool. Yeah, I got written down somewhere, but I got fucking, what, <laughs> 63 episodes worth of notes right here. I got <laughs> way too much written down right now. Oh, I, I've got a lot of notes too. Yeah, so I'm not even going to try to <laughs> reread to go back. Whatever. There's a certain amount, yes, uh, seasons one through three, we don't get to know about the previous user's abilities, obviously. We don't get to figure out that, you know, he gets what, Dark Whip or whatever until season five. Black Whip, I Black think is what I call Yeah. So that's when we get to figure out that he gets to start tapping into. Because I know, like, all my dropped hints on it that they're, the powers are there, but he never really specified, like, you're going to be able to use them. He just said that their power is there with you. Right. Yeah. Which and is weird because All Might's never been able to tap into it. Again, they'll go into it. They're, okay. They, they will. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess it's been a minute. That yeah. Was, well, even if I wanted to talk about it, I don't remember a whole lot from season five to even know what. Yep. They even say about it. But just to kind of go back into this, do you guys have a favorite villain? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got two. All right, Lance, so, give us one. Ooh. Let me, let me go last <laughs> because I can give uh, just more to talk about. Okay. Tyler, why don't you uh, give us one? I would probably have to say my favorite villain, because of his quirk decay, would probably be Shigaraki. And just okay. kind of like what he stands for. Mm-hmm. Okay. It also kind of fits in, like, my second one would probably be Stain. Because I like Shigaraki and, like, just his whole, the whole hand thing. I don't know why. It's just weird, <laughs> but I, I love how it's just, like, his mask is, like, a hand is, like, a glove. Yep. But I also love what Stain stands for to where, like, false heroes claiming that their heroes yet have done nothing mm-hmm. to be able to claim that hero title. Yep. So it's, yep. it's a toss-up between the two. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. It's the two, you know, seasons one through three. That's the, well, I guess Stain was only really part of two, but... Yeah, for one and three is Shigaraki, unless you want to throw in one all for one, which was, you know, he's kind of like a mini, he's like the main boss, but he's like, just gonna be a quiet boss. Um, yeah, and it was that I will say a lot of things Stan had to say was really kind of thought provoking, it was really mm-hmm. good. But we can talk about that when we talk about season one, two, or yeah, season <laughs> two, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you got a favorite villain? Uh, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with twice. Mm, he's one of my two. Okay. I'm glad he chose <laughs> at least one of them. So I think you got to kind of see like something super fucked up at the end of season three, where he's kind of going through that monologue where he's talking about mm-hmm. what happened to him. And it's like, if you really think about it, it's super fucked up. Cause it's like, are you 
who you think you are or are you a clone of yourself? Mm-hmm. And that's such a mind fuck. Yep. And I think they did such a great job breaking all that down in what that second to last episode in season yep. three, just yep. given the backstory about twice for our, our viewers. If he didn't pick up twice as the guy from the league of villains who can duplicate himself as many times as he wants. Well, he can duplicate anybody because we that find too. out that he duplicates a Dobby mm-hmm. and he can do the same thing. Just duplicate people. So he can just duplicate anything. Any person mm-hmm. is probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Twice is pretty damn amazing. Yeah. I know one thing that with his ability that kind of sucks is, we know his ability in one through three, but he explains it in one through in four. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, he goes in depth on what he needs to be able to use it. I yes, but just the you get to see him using his ability and just seeing it, and then seeing the background of him, it it was instant. Like yes, he's going to be my favorite for the first three. Yep. Um, for myself, as you know, twice exactly the reason all that we already said. Twice is amazing. Yep. Uh, my other favorite one is going to be Dobby. Okay. He's kind of got that darker sense to him, like that mm-hmm. emo, I'm going to fuck <laughs> you up kind of deal. And he's got this amazing, overpowering blue flame, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like Azula or something like going like that going on. Just, I want to see more. Um, yep. And this morning I just saw uh, a teaser for season six with yep. Dobby coming back in. Apparently he's going to be making a new or a bigger scene. So I'm excited to see that too. So I was just excited to see that overall. So yeah, I choose Dobby as my favorite villain. Okay. Uh, for seasons one through three. Yep. Well, maybe overall. Because <laughs> now that I think about it, like I was going to say, I was going to say mine changes a little bit. Okay. Oh, but that's season four. For well, one, let's not yeah, for, one, for one through three. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's not get too carried away. Yeah, no, it's one through three. I think Toga's ability is kind of cool. She's super fucked up, but I think her her ability is cool. And she's uh, definitely cool. And I like I like like she's got this crazy like weird sex appeal about how weird she is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> and then Compress, his his ability was really cool. And then his he played off that magician esque to him. Oh, that guy that turned uh, the guys into marbles. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he he was really cool. But now let's kind of get back into just talking about all our seasons. And let's start with season one. What was your, I guess, kind of what was your biggest takeaway for season one? Um, I would say the biggest takeaway from season one is let's get to the main concept. And that's Midoriya getting his quirk and training every single day at the beach just so that he can have somewhat of a physical body to start maintaining this new unknown power that he has yet to even unlock because at this through i don't know what half of season one he hasn't even touched his quirk so yeah just he just need to train his body to even withstand it at all so for our listeners to kind of just remind them where season one ends is after the attack of the usj so that kind of gives people a timeline so it's obviously the beginning and then the attack of usj is season one. Oh yeah good point and the usj is when the first Nomu appears. Yep, that's the that joint training area, and that's the first time you see the League of Villains as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, it's only 13 episodes long. It's the shortest season out of all of them. Yep. But a lot of information is dropped because there's just so much to learn. Yep. So yeah, that's what we're dealing with. And yeah, so I say the biggest takeaway is, I think, the starting of the training process, how much he needs to understand that he needs to learn. His body is a limp noodle, and he needs to strengthen it. Yep. What about you, Tyler? 
I would say it's probably about the same. Just the fact that he needs to learn how to be able to control his power and throughout. I think in a season two is where he. I, I think it's either season two or season three where he starts to tap into being able to somewhat control it. I, I think that I was think two. It's, I think it's a, about middle of two. But like just being able to all of season one trying to use his power, but he ends up just destroying his body because he has zero control over it because it's either 100% or nothing. Right, yeah, I was going to say all or nothing. And it's just trying to control it. It's... Yeah. Yeah, and it was a lot of build-up. It was a lot of introductions to people. It was super cool to see All Might in action to begin with. And then the comedic part where his... In his puffed up form, and then he kind of deflates into him what his true form is. Right. And Izuku is kind of like, what? You're not him? And just kind of freaks out about him. And, I mean, for me, as far as something I took away from it, I think it was one of the biggest takeaways was after Izuku finishes cleaning up the beach I think that was my most memorable part of the season one because it was just all that emotion you had and All Might brings the, he references that part later on and it was just, you saw what hard work and dedication brings. Right. Especially since that just goes to show like how Deku's an overachiever. He wants to do what he needs to do and then more because All Might wanted just a section of the beach cleared and he cleaned everything. Yep. He got everything done, especially in the in the same timeline that he wanted just partial of yep. it clean. And you use another way you see him being an overachiever is just he's studying the superheroes and he's got his notebooks. Even on Bakugo, he's got a, got notes taken on him. And it was it was funny to see in the beginning uh, that one random person calls Izuku, uh, what is it, like a hero nerd or something like that? Because um, he knows exactly who that one hero is, the like the the hero that has all the arm that branches and stuff. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yeah, Kamui every time Woods. I huh, Kamui Woods. No, that isn't right. Every time I wrote down him, I always wrote down Branch Dude. <laughs> You're talking about the guy in the very beginning, right? No, uh, yeah, Kamu- can... it's Kamui Woods. Yeah, it is. is it? Yeah, yes. it's this lacquer prison in the beginning where he tries to capture the villain and then Mount Lady basically just barges in. Wait, I thought you were talking about the guy that can branch his arms and his eyes and his mouth. Oh, no, no, no. That's uh, one of his classmates. Oh, you're talking about the the actual plant guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're talking about two different kind of branches. You're thinking of uh, Shoji. That's, yeah. And I No, I'm talking... Pro Hero. The Pro Hero. Okay. It's in the... I want to say it's in the first episode. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think the, you meet yeah. him right, right away in the first episode. And then, yeah, because in the manga, it's like you're um, a hero Okatu or something like that is what the what the guy calls them. So basically just saying like, you're all about heroes. Oh, and it, it was, it was funny to see. I liked, you got to see kind of the arcing of Izuku. One thing I will say about Izuku, especially in the first probably two episodes or two seasons is that he's super whiny and annoying. Oh yes. Very whiny. That's uh, the one thing that the first time I actually watched it through almost determined from watching it was just cause it was so annoying to follow him. Cause he was always crying about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then just his character development from two to three mm-hmm. brings you back in because he gains that confidence. Yep. And yeah. he, he learns how to not destroy his arms by not using them. Crazy concept. <laughs> Um, before we get, because we're starting to branch off from season one, let's continue with season one. Yep. Um, 
So there's really only two more things left to talk about season one, and that's during the everyone was teamed up and they had to like training play capture the flag kind of the training event, the training event, yep. and Finland's mock. Yeah, it was like a mock thing. Um, I mean, I don't. We can give our listeners like a quick run up of like who teamed up with who. I I think I wrote everyone. Yeah, I wrote just about everybody. <laughs> yeah, I wrote everybody down. Um, I think that's a little too much information. <laughs> yeah, too much information. Because I think out of all that, really the only one fight that matters is Bakugo, Bakugo versus Midoriya. Yeah. Yeah. And how that one worked out, uh, Deku was teamed up with Uraraka, mm-hmm. and it was Bakugo and Ida. Yep. And they were the ones acting as villains. Bakugo and Ida were the ones acting as villain, villains. So this was where we got to see where you know we can see our two main characters or made the rivalry yep. come out and have a, their first, like, real fight. And this is where we get to see Deku taking his skills of, you know, watching Bakugo fight. You know, he always starts with a right hook, he says. Yep. And he called it out. He caught it. He countered. Fucked him up. And this is, you know, is learning how to fight defensively. And he's just kicking Bakugo's ass. Bakugo's losing his mind. It's very funny, but it's very good, you know, action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end, Midori ends up, Winning this mock battle without destroying his entire body. I mean, what he does is just destroy. He, yeah, he, he lose an arm, <laughs> just an arm. Just you know, <laughs> <laughs> he uses the use of his arm, but he wins this mock battle, and this is where Bakugo truly starts hating him, is because now he's officially lost. Right? Yeah, that's true, and and it's the first time that Bakugo kind of gets that feeling that Zuku is looking down on him. Yep. And the fact that kind he of thinks like he betrayed him, hiding this quirk the entire time growing up. Yep. And then just beating him at everything that he mm-hmm. can. Yep. But I know in that fight also, this is where Bakugo gets a little bit of a reality check, and it also goes to show how smart of a fighter he is. Because Deku pointed out, you always start with the right hook, and every time, every fight after that, never leads with the right hook anymore. He always changes it because he took that one L in that fight by mm-hmm. getting dodged. And used it against everybody who knows he starts with the right hook. Yep. And they still fall for it. Yep. Because yep. now, now he, he realized he needs to be more of a wild card after being pointed his own flaw. And it's also where Deku learns mobility is watching when Bakugo was that. able to flip over him and mm-hmm. use, his, use his hands to be able to propel himself. Yep. Deku uses that later in the season to be able to maneuver himself around. Mm-hmm. I think that, I actually think it's straight in a way, I think that's season two where he starts yep. using that with his winning. Grand Trino. Uh, feet movement. Yep. Yeah, he calls that full cowling. For a full cowling, yeah. Shoot style. Yep. Oh, shoot style is season three, but full cowling is when he starts to... Uh, harness 5%. Exactly. Yep. Which is funny. I wrote down in my notes, I wanted to make sure we talked about this full cowling 5%. Like, just the term full <laughs> cowling is only 5%. I just think it's, it's ironic. He should have chose maybe a... It's slightly it's weaker term. <laughs> Some of the time, all of the time. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that was just, that's all I wanted to say about that. One thing that I really like about Bakugo is that he acts like a jackass, but he does everything he absolutely can to back up everything he says. He's not mm-hmm. one of those people that just is all bark and no bite, but he's also super, super smart because he's what number two in the class or three, one, two or three. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I wrote down a lot of notes, but I didn't write down the. I ranking. think he's under Midoriya. I think he's. Five? No. Uh, he. So it, I want to say it's Momo. Yep, she was definitely and, one. And then it, I think. Or no, 
Deku is two, isn't he? No. Or is he? I know he's either two or four. He's, I think he's five, actually. Is he five? It might be five, but he's. Uh, and then the only other person that's potentially above him is going to be Shoto. So I want to say it's Yayorozu, Shoto, and then Bakugo. Maybe. I think I remember Ten being Purple Rush. Yeah. Because he was like being like, oh, yeah, I'm smart. And all the girls want me. But like, he was no. like 18. So I actually looked it up real quick. Yes, it's Momo, then Bakugo. But then okay. it actually goes Todoroki and then Midoriya. So Midoriya okay. is four. Okay. Okay. And I just kind of, since we're talking about rankings, and then you got uh, Ayama last. And he's like, yeah, it's everything's all good. <laughs> Which one's Ayama? He's the naval laser. laser. Oh, the French dude. Okay. The fake French dude. The it? fake French, yeah, they, they made a point of that. Uh, and so that, w- that was something that was really cool is because typically you get these guys that are kind of, they're kind of a jackass, but they're not really all that smart. And he he is 100% not dumb. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible sentence, but he's, he's super smart. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. There, there was something, I know, so one thing that I wanted to talk about, especially because this is the first time you get to see him, what do you guys think the principle is? Like a mouse dog? A, I think he was like a hamster. <laughs> That's kind of my point. Like, what the fuck is he? Is he a mouse? Is he a dog? Is he well, I guess in Tyler's case, a hamster. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of almost like Brian from Family Guy. Brian but from like, Family Guy was like Stuart Little from growing up. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I want to take the rodent aspect away from him just because I don't think he has whiskers. Um, he does not have whiskers. And yeah, it, it's just he is hilarious in the the first few seasons. Just he's just so mm-hmm. way out in left field. Yeah, I think it's funny. But that that was really like the first time I saw him, I'm like, what is that thing? Yep. Yeah, he's definitely weird. And plus I don't think we ever see a tail or anything of the sorts either. He has a tail. He, he does? He, yep, he has a tail. You see a tail. Okay. Yeah, I guess I didn't. Obviously, I didn't pay enough attention then. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah. Was there anything else really from season one? Unless we want to talk about the final fight. I think the only thing I would put in that happened before that battle training is when they were doing the comprehensive testing. Yep. To get into the school. No, no. They were in there and they were trying to figure out their quirks, and I, Mr. Aizawa had everybody throw the ball figure out how far they could throw it with their quirk. Yeah. And then Deku's like, all right, this is the only one that I can do. Went to go launch it at full power, and Mr. Aizawa erases his quirk to stop him from shattering his arm because he knows he's going to do it. Yeah. But Deku took that as a learning moment and was able to transfer all the power into his finger, and that's the first time you've seen him be able to control something, in, into, a something single... into a single point mm-hmm. instead of it being a whole limb. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think that... Really is the only other thing out of season one, other than just kind of you get to see how aggressive Shoto can be when he literally froze the entire building. Nobody can move because he knew both of them were barefoot and weren't going to tear up their feet to back in that get mock free. battle. Yeah. No. yeah. Otherwise, we got the very end of the season one where we get to the introduction of the League of Villains while they're all training under the supervision of the pro heroes. And this is where we get to see the first Nomu. Yep. And it's basically Shigaraki. Oh yeah, uh, an army of dumbasses. Just derank hero or villains. Uh huh. And we, yeah, I mean, the takeaway of that is we get to see some actual battles going on. Everyone gets to attack, but then we get to see Nomu 
the first Nomu versus All Might. Yep. And I know this is eventually going to be a future question, but this fight with Nomu versus All Might is kind of tied for one of my favorite fight scenes of the entire series because we get to see, I don't know, I, I feel like All Might almost went out more physically with this Nomu than he did with one all for one uh yes because he said he brought out like 300 punches or something like that exactly yeah that's what i wrote down so that that was super awesome to see just kind of him going plus ultra as he loves to say or as everybody loves to say at least the school yep and honestly yeah i'd agree that was probably my favorite fight there was especially in season one Season one, there really wasn't too much going on. Other than that, maybe like the Deku and Bakugo fight. Like there wasn't really too many fights that happened. No, not too much. Because in the training event, you like they do Shoto and his team and then Bakugo versus Deku. But everybody else, they kind of just skip through. Like mm-hmm. they kind of just show quick glimpses of. Yeah, so, some things here and there. Yep. And Tyler, to go back to your the training slash aptitude test you can almost call it it, it was kind of cool because you got to see everybody's to start off you got to see everybody's um powers their quirks yeah you were able to actually kind of get a glimpse of everybody what they can do going into yep season one mm-hmm. now that i'm thinking about it how the fuck did invisible girl do anything good in any of those tests to be honest, during like some of that aptitude test in the beginning, I don't even think you actually saw her in anything. I don't think it, I think it focused on like your main like ability people. seven people who uh-huh. you kind of like follow through most of the seasons. Like it, it touches base with everybody, but it, it followed a lot of like Todoroki and Bakugo and then uh, Uraraka. Like it followed like the main people who stayed close. But other than that, like you didn't see Koda do anything. Yeah, right. Like you didn't see a lot of the people in the class actually do anything. So just kind of get back. It's way past, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. So is that a joke because she's invisible? Maybe. Oh, you didn't see her? <laughs> <laughs> she's she running around naked. No. It, it, yeah, you're right. You really didn't get to see too many people up to this point doing all that many things. I know at the training event, you the hero training event, I should probably uh, talk about it that way. The hero training event with All Might, you kind of get to see people's quirks a little bit more. Yeah, because you don't know what, uh, like, Tokiami, you have no idea what his quirk is up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I had to guess, she was a recommendation just to kind of make it so that she could be in the class without having to take the entrance, entrance exam. Yeah, maybe. Because, like, I know we just got done watching it, and we watched it again for a second time like that. Like, I don't even remember much of so, Invisible Girl in Season 1. If I remember correctly, at the end of Season 3, when they're going into the uh, the provisionary license, they do a flashback of everybody that was brought in by recommendations because they had their own separate entrance exam that they had to do, yep. and she wasn't there. Okay, good point. Yeah, because we saw in Season 3 is Shoto and Whirlwind had their own yeah because it was a flashback deal. and that's where he ended up not liking shoto because of because of endeavor right uh, maybe there could have been you know different i mean she could have been there you just might not have seen her, <laughs> you might have seen her exactly <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have, like, I'm trying to look into it, and there is nothing that talks about how she even got into She's just there. <laughs> I think she, she probably got in just due to the fact that being permanently invisible. Like, it's <laughs> not something you can turn on and off. It, it helps with stealth and all that, so, I mean, she probably got in easy, but mm-hmm. well, you're kind of limited to what you kind of can't do. 
One thing I will say against that is they talk about Shinso's ability has is he can't do anything against robots because they can't speak back so he's automatically gonna fail that entrance exam and for our listeners shinzo was the one that faced midoriya in season two yep with the fighting he's one with the purple hair that could essentially mind control if they were to answer a question Mm-hmm. And then that's, you know, that's the scene where we get to see where we'll, we'll talk about when we get to season two. I'm sorry, before we get too much further, we were just talking about <laughs> Invisible Girl. I have one topic I want to bring up on Invisible Girl. Okay. And I'm just going to say it now before we say it, before we, you know, it becomes irrelevant. <laughs> Do you guys think we'll ever get to see her quirk turned off and we get to see what she actually looks like, even if it is for like a minute? I don't think so, because I think if she could turn it on or off, that would have been something that probably would have been mm. revealed. I mean, I don't want to go that far. I mean, like, because I know me and Matt talked in the past, like, Ayozawa can't turn Invisible Girl's quirk off. That's totally cool, but, like, what if in the future someone can like, what reverse if she lost it? Quirk? Or even that. I mean, we, we see somebody with the ability to reverse, essentially reverse quirks. Because, uh, oh man, the the girl with the horn, Ari, that's oh. essentially her ability is to reverse things. But that's oh, way, that's, a, that's, that's yeah, that's way in the future. Uh, just to kind of go with your question, like, what if All for One stole her power? Would she turn into a regular human and then boom, she's just some girl? Um, I he won't want her power. He just, won't want it. I mean, I mean, maybe he could. Could I mean, be it would stealth sneaking up behind huh? somebody and just punch you. In the back but I mean, just that. in general, like, what if someone had the ability th- to temporarily take away all of your quirk, and then we could just see Invisible Girl walking around like a normal girl? Like, so, I, I could see like some funny thing happening, like in season six, where Racerhead goes to cancel somebody's quirk, and she walks in front, hits her, and she just see her real quick. Well. Th- I think that one's been explained. I don't think the Aizawa path yeah. works. But if the Aizawa can't, I don't think anybody else's can. Because That's a, well, okay, here's the deal. Because Aizawa, his, his he cancels stops, it, where, it blocks okay. quirks from becoming yes, it, it's like something like what their cells are like blocks it. Okay, so Aizawa can stop a quirk from being used. She is in a permanent state so that like she passive. has. Right, she has okay. no control over whatsoever. Now, if she were to suddenly become quirkless. Then I think that can be the only explanation that can yeah, happen. Would, would she become would, essentially non-see-through, or would she just die if she became quirkless? Right. Yeah, cause it could branch off. It could. Yeah, it, it could take how a weird route. Another like body the quirk is, I guess. Yeah. Especially um, being permanently invisible. So all I can say is trying trying to put this in a way that won't really ruin anything. Um. Oh, do you know something? I do know something. Oh no! Um, well, reading possibilities. Oh, uh, I am. Did you read ahead, or is this from? Mom? Oh, this is way. This is from like chapter three hundred and. Oh, he he reading. Okay, yeah, Matt's Matt's up to date with everything. Um, but we'll just say. Do I get an answer? You yes, you will find out. That's that's as far as I that's as far as I'll we say. We might find out like season seven or eight, but sure. we'll um, find out. <laughs> no, because I know maybe. like it's weird because like it could be like chapter two hundred in the manga, but it could be like four or five in the anime. Like it's <laughs> so they can jump. Yeah, I will say I'm going to go over this again, but we're on chapter one twenty five. Seasons one through three. One through three is one hundred twenty five okay. chapters. Season six 
All I can say is maybe. I I don't I don't know. I don't remember how season five ends, so I can't give you a reference point on telling you. Yep, that's going to happen in season six, or you'll know in season seven. So okay. unfortunately, so I, it's I can't around give, that area. Yeah. Okay. You potentially might know what happens. Okay. But, is, well, I guess that's fun enough to know that soon enough so we can learn. Back on the track a little <laughs> bit. Yep. Um, me personally, one thing I was kind of disappointed in for with season one was 13. Her, his, I, his, his they, they call it a him. So. Okay, so his ability with Black Hole, mm-hmm. the fact that it's like the most ultimate ability, whether, I mean, he's more of a rescue mm-hmm. hero than anything, but the fact that it's it's Black Hole is also a very good defensive or aggressive quirk if used in that manner, yeah, right? and it was shut down super simple in USJ. Um, I mean, but I that... bought it because you know our Warpgate guy literally. I mean, he just count. He just he's, he, he essentially casted counter pretty much, and he just opened up one gate that allowed. He opened up two gates that allowed thirteen to suck up himself. And so like, I get it if you want to play with you know those I, magics. Yeah, I guess like I get it. Yeah, but and thirteen. Talks about being specifically for rescue. So if anything were to happen to thirteen, as far as a fight is concerned, then he's not going to know what to do because that's just not what he does. He's just there to rescue people. And I think that's why he ended up playing more defensive and protecting the students yep. instead of trying to help out with anything. But I was going to say, I mean, if you want to go to the extreme that I think you were going to go, like black hole, like. With, you know, a real-life black hole being, you know, the big fuck you to the universe. Like, <laughs> yeah, as soon as 13 opens up this black hole, like, boom, you everyone's dead. in the general yeah. path, which is kind of just done. Yeah. I guess I, I guess it's not going to be as strong as you would think it would be. I guess that it's, it does have to be limited. Otherwise, right. it's just too strong. Otherwise, yeah. I was going to say, we might as well just rename 13's move from black hole to, like, uh, Vacuum. Uh, Inuyasha's... Oh, wind tunnel. Wind tunnel deal. Because it's it's essentially the same deal. Okay. Yeah. One thing I will say is you get to see how awesome Ayazawa is. Just kind of murking everybody. Just constantly bouncing his quirk between everybody and nobody knows who it's on. Yep. And he's just fighting. Because he's got that badass Cyclops glasses on so that Mm -hmm. nobody can see where his pupils are are looking so that he can fuck with whoever he wants to fuck with. Yeah, I thought that was an awesome character design. Great writing on that portion. I thought that was perfect. Yeah, it was it was really nice to see because you don't really think of erasing people's quirks as something you could do super offensively. Mm-hmm. And through, essentially through hard work and a lot of training, you find out that, hey, just because your, your quirk isn't necessarily meant to do something offensive, like mm-hmm. all for one or Bakugos, where it's just super in your face, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you can't be a good hero. Right. It's kind of like foreshadowing a little bit into the later season, and I think three, like when you meet Lemillion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because uh, if something were to go unplanned, you at least need to have a backup of basic fighting standards, which is where you just said Lemillion. What's what's his actual name? Togata. Toga. No, Toga is the girl. Sorry, Togata. Togata. Where we see Togata, the guy who can slip. Permeate. Permeate, which is 
is what it was called, yeah, where you can go through walls or you can go through the ground or whatever. You need to learn how to actually fight yep. quirkless, essentially, in addition to fighting with your quirk, just in case, you know, something shitty happens. Yeah, because in his sense, he loses everything when he uses his quirk. So yeah, but let, gotta, he had to adapt to that. Let's talk about that when we get to season three. <laughs> yeah, good point. Okay, uh, is there is there much left to talk about season one? Uh, that's kind of... Everything I have as far as season one's concerned. Matt or Tyler? <laughs> I think the only thing other thing I have with season one is just Nomu and All Might and when he learned that it was power absorption, he just okay. kept punching it until he couldn't absorb anymore. Right. It yep. just basically hit his limit. And the fact that it took three hundred punches, insane. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was super awesome. Yep. Um, and then I guess the only thing I could tap on top of that was for all of our listeners who already are up to date. Um, episode 13 is where Togar- Shigaraki is talking, you know, through this computer deal, calling Master, which we learned that Master is all for one. And he's also talking to Doctor, that we also learn who Doctor is in, like, season five. Oh, that's a that's the only other thing I wanted to talk about. Did you guys notice the Doctor? I just picked up on his name. I know who he is in the future, but I didn't. The, the, I don't really care about the name, but did you notice who the doctor was? So you see, Lance, you had brought it up. It's the doctor that is helping all for one. Yeah, I think so. Wait, okay, I might be throwing myself off at this moment. I just know who the future is, and that's I, I got his face in my mind right now. So, so yeah, it's the doctor that uh, Izuku saw to tell him he did not have a quirk. Is the same doctor you see oh. helping all for one. Yeah, I'm sorry, son. No, okay, so sorry. it's more like a during the day he's a good guy, during the night he does his own little personal stuff. In a sense, I guess. <laughs> in, in a way. <laughs> but yeah, now that you bring that up, yeah, he's he's such a main character later in the series, and he was just nonchalantly sprinkled in in the very beginning. In a flashback of all things. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy to be like, especially because, you know, we're caught up, and it's just like, oh, fuck, I know who that guy is. Wow. And it's just a quick, you know, like two-second glimpse. Uh, no, it's a little bit longer than that because he talks. But it's just super quick talking about the doctor. Yeah. And it's just the doctor talking, and you get to see him, and I'm just like, oh, man, that's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. The same doctor who was going to be a big pain in the ass in season six and seven. So- in the future episodes, yep. is the same person who told you you're going to be corpus. Yep, that's, and that's cool. Yeah, it was, I kind of want to talk about it just because we're at this point. But just seeing young Izuku and kind of like bawling his eyes out, like especially now that I have a child, like could you imagine telling your child it's like, hey, the one thing you want to do in life, no matter how much you want it, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, that sucks. That really sucks. Nope. I, yeah, that sucks. I couldn't. I could not imagine. But yeah, that's everything I got for season one. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about season two. Welcome back. Now we're going to touch into season two, which starts in with the UA Sports Festival, and it goes into the stain arc, into the final exams arc, which is the students in pairs of two versus heroes. And then it touches base on the last episode with Shigaraki and Deku encounter at the mall. Yeah, there's, man, there's so much that happens in this season. It's crazy. Like, we're just kind of talking over it, and we're like, oh, fuck, that happened? 
That happened in season two? Oh, man, that's right. It's so much. And Stain's like the big storyline on the League of Villains on why they have so many people was uh-huh. following him. And I almost forgot that even happened in season <laughs> exactly. two. I was going to say, like, Stain is, to me... It's probably one of the bigger Season two points. is like the biggest takeaway is Stain. But then at the same time, Stain was only like, what, Four maybe? Yeah. I think the problem start to finish. Yeah, it, it was only a small half. I mean, Stain himself was only like a couple episodes, but like... His influence was probably like a third of the episodes. Yeah, his influence, um, honestly, even in season three, his influence is bringing people into the League of Villains because yep. they think that his viewpoints or his beliefs are what the League of Villains are. He was a part of the League of Villains, supposedly, and that is why they have so many people. So it, it are getting all these people wanting to be a part of the League of Villains. And yeah, just kind of... Kind of forgot about him. I want to talk about. I want to touch base on him later. I, I really want to start with the sports festival because this is where you really got to see everybody's quirks. Yep. And I kind of want to just throw in real quick. This is a tournament session, and this brings back the UU hockey <laughs> show vibes and all the tournaments. Fucking love this because this is one-on-one fights. Everyone fights each other. I love the sports festival. So, and uh, I'll, I'll, I want to. Say something about the very start of the sports festival. So if you have All right, no, go. before we get into it. Go so one thing beginning. that I noticed after re-watching it, mm-hmm. because watching it the first time, you don't really pay attention to Shinso until his 1v1 fights. Okay. But, you know, very first challenge is the obstacle course. You notice Shinso literally getting carried by zombie-eyed students. Oh, but yep. you never pay attention to it because you didn't know what his quirk was. You just thought that it was his class carrying him. Right. Yep, so I exactly. like I there was something seeing that I was like I did not catch that before. Mm-hmm. Is you get a little bit of a taste of his quirk in the process without even realizing it. Exactly. Shinso is which character? He's the that, mind control. If you oh yeah 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 the mind control guy. Okay yep yeah it was. I want to touch base with him, but once we actually start talking about the fights, I really want to go into him. Um, it, before we get too far, I have a laughy cry face that I wrote down. <laughs> where it, most of my laughy cry of faces come from Bakugo, and he's calling all of his other classmates extras. <laughs> I, that's one thing I love about Bakugo is like all of his nicknames. Like he's got yeah. like Sparky and Icy Hot, <laughs> and just like just the random. It like I think most of the time I laughed was his witty's stupid comebacks and nicknames that he has for people. He's always yelling it in so much anger, and it's it's always yeah. He <laughs> it, it was great because they. They had him talk, and I'm just like, oh, man, what's going to happen now? And he's like, I'm going to beat everybody. And it was funny because everybody got all pissed off. and then Nonchalantly, too. You just, I'm going to beat everyone. Just oh, no yeah, when he got up in to the, the world. Yeah. The open was, cer- opening ceremony. Opening ceremony, yeah. And Izuku was like, man, he if he was being, being his normal self, he would have said something way more beyond just, I'm going to beat everybody. Yeah. So, um, real quick, before we talk about any fights, Ayazawa was one of the... What's another word for a talker? Announcer. Announcers. <laughs> Ayazawa was one of the announcers behind the scenes for all of this stuff. Yep. And we see he's bandaged up like crazy. Yep. And he's bandaged up because at the end of season one, he gets the shit beat out of him. By the dur- Nomu. By and- Nomu and all the villains and stuff like that. Now, the anime clearly stated that two weeks had gone by mm-hmm. since that event. And I'm just wondering, two weeks has gone by, we have a super awesome kissy nurse that makes everybody feel so much better, 
and his whole entire body still bandaged up. Like, was he fucked up that bad? Well, yeah. Or like, you also got to remember that Shigaraki decayed his entire elbow. And when just part when, of when Deku messed up his arm too bad, she even said, "There's nothing she can do. She can't heal it. It's too far damaged." And I have a feeling that's why he was bandaged is because Shigaraki's decay damaged him too much. A little, I mean, a little bit, but I mean, his face was even bandaged up. True, but that Nomu also took on all my like it was nothing. Yeah, it, it, like. Probably just crushed his face by slamming it into the ground. Sure. So, yeah, it was probably just like, hey, we're going to heal you up, but, like, you're only going to get part of your face healed up, and you're going to get part of your elbow healed up, and then you're going to run out of stamina, and you're just going to have to do that every day for weeks. Yeah. Probably just constant treatments because he probably didn't have stamina to begin with just from how exhausted he was from the fight. Mm -hmm. Because he probably had to activate his quirk, what? 100 times? 100, 200 times in that fight alone. So, So, yeah, I just wanted to say, that was one thing that threw me off. It's been... Two weeks, and he was still in full body bandages. And but it I was guess, hilarious. Like, every time he talked and just did his super, like, kind of emo-ish mm-hmm. talking <laughs> in the bandages, it was just, it was so funny. Yeah. And it, it was really funny because you find out later that uh, President Mike and Racerhead are friends. So their interactions with each other, is I thought, was even more funny. Mm-hmm. Because they act like they hate it. Well, Aizawa acts like he hates present Mike, but yeah, you come to find out that they're like best friends. Right, because they were friends back when they were in school. Yep. Oh, that's one thing we didn't talk. Oh, no, because that happens. Is that happen in season two where they come up with their um, names? Yes. Their names. Mm-hmm. And you find out how Racerhead gets his name. Yeah, just because present Mike was just like. <laughs> Here, skibbity bob, and then yeah, sure. That's You're a racer head now, and that that was his name. And yeah, it was it was so funny. So it's like, well, you got to be very serious about your names because it might be <laughs> with you forever. For, exactly. <laughs> but right. to go back to the sports festival. All right, so the sports festival starts out with a basic race. Like they start off from like point A, and they got to get to point B. They got like what robots to get through, and they got a minefield at the end to blow through. The super long tightrope they got across. Tightrope, yeah. The, the canyon, the with canyon the rock rock steps. Yeah, that that one was kind of overlooked. It was just quick, brief, and then everybody kind of just jumped. Yeah, out. it was just these weird obstacles. It really focused on in the very beginning that they had to fight through these the robots that they saw on the in season one. Yep, and then in the very end where there was that minefield. Where everyone had to tiptoe around hidden mines. One thing that I thought was awesome is all of those robots were the zero-point robots that everybody kind of, like, backed off from even trying to attack because they didn't think they were strong enough. And all of them can take them, really take them down without really trying that hard. all of them. Because I know when it it showed Shoto and he froze them all off balance, Mm -hmm. they were all zeros. But then when it flashed back to Deku, when he was trying to get through, there was ones, twos, and zeros in there. Okay. There was a mixture when when it panned oh. to Deku and he was trying to get through. Oh, I guess I missed that. Oh, yeah. I guess I was really focusing on the zeros because yep. that's where the yeah because it showed Shoto and then just you have two zeros just standing there and everybody struggled and mm-hmm. ran what not even a month ago from them right mm-hmm. and now they have no problem dealing with them right. Oh, yep. and for listeners, zeros were the big ass robots. They're zeros because they counted towards zero points towards yep. the season one deal to get into the school, but they were also the super strong ones that they were supposed to run away from anyway because they were supposed to leave those for like the, the heroes. real heroes. Yeah. So yeah, in this 
new in the entrance or in, in the sports festival there were obstacles that you either had to de- to beat or to get around somehow i also thought it was really cool because you got to see all of class 1a learning basically how to work around shoto's abilities because they had worked in an area and seen his abilities at work mm-hmm. so it, it was really cool because Pretty much everybody in Class 1A knew how to work around Shoto's ability. Right, for the most part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially like with, with uh, what is it, Ojiro? With Tail? Yep, Ojiro. He, he learned as soon as he froze, not on the ground anymore after the battle. <laughs> of the He's not freezing his feet anymore. Yep. Yep. And then the uh, I think the only other way to talk about this uh, race is how it ended. Yep. We got Deku, Midoriya, grabbing a bunch of metal pieces, gathering them, slowly gathering up a bunch of mines so that he can have one massive explosion, defend himself with those metal plates so he can blast himself through the minefield and take first place beyond Bakugo and Shoto, who were battling neck and neck. And then, boom, here comes Midoriya, stealing first place out of nowhere. Well, remember, he had to create another explosion by whacking the ground with the shield he was using in order to propel himself again beyond Bakugo and Todoroki. Yeah, he just had to set off a mine. Well, it's the second one because he's, he He was going to land early, and then he literally took it, slammed it on the oh, ground, which the hit Shoto hit and Bakugo two. and sent, them, sent him flying. Right, yep. which allowed him to recover and run. Yep. Okay, yes, yes. The, the second hit. Yeah, I thought that was super clever. Uh, it, was, it was really smart. You get to see how strategic uh, Izuku is. It was really good to see um, because really up to this point, all you ever knew was he either kind of went in without thinking against that slime monster or he did things because he had seen, he just studied everybody. So he was really good at creating a counter move against those attacks. Mm-hmm. But here you can see him thinking on his feet and doing things without having to study his surroundings to be able to do it. Right. So speaking of the slime monster, first time I ever watched it, I thought I was watching the wrong thing because he's taking his (laughs) tentacles and shoving it down his mouth. I was like, wrong show. (laughs) I rewatched that and I died laughing again. again. I'm going to say, I'm going to pin this one for later. (laughs) Watch you again tonight. (laughs) All right, so yeah, that that officially ended the race, and then part two of the school deal was uh, essentially this was another kind of capture flag where everyone had cavalry battle. Yep. Yeah, they all had uh, points points on their bandanas that they all had to hold. Yep. And because Midoriya was the one who finished in first place, he was the one that had the biggest point bandana, and everybody had to you know target. You know, they just had to go for points. And, of course, Midori was target number one because he was... He had he a million the, points. And then the, the most, next closest person... was 265. Some, or 315, I think. Yeah, but it was like 3,015. So it was a million and then 3,000 was the difference between one and two. Yeah. So, yeah, whoever held on to the number one spot is guaranteed to be the next number one spot. But, of course, you're the biggest target at that point. But I, I really liked it because they were like, hey, when you're the number one hero... You are going to be the target from everybody. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I liked how they were able to kind of it's like make a it life more. lesson mm-hmm. within the challenge. Yeah, exactly. And just make it more realistic for what they were trying to go to. It, it was really good. I really liked it. And then one thing is midnight. Like my wife came in. She's like, what the fuck is she wearing? Like, I, I don't know. Well, the BDSM or whatever. Yeah, and- it, but it was like bdsm and reverse bdsm at the same time because she was a masochist but she was masochist that's the that's the real word yeah but then she wanted to be bound up and you're just like what that that doesn't make any sense but it was it it was really funny what and her ability just how sexualized she is yeah yeah at least she's an adult so it's it's not too (laughs) (laughs) damn it i almost spit on my beer right there (laughs) yes at least she is an adult Oh, watching that, watching that gave me like weird Hunter Hunter vibes with Hasoka and Young Yon or Gone. Gone. Yeah, it's been a minute. It, but to get back to the cavalry battle, it was really cool. Um, it was nice to see because like Izuku wanted to have Ida on his team, and Ida said no because he knew that this was going to be a battle against. Not just Izuku, but everybody. And if he wanted to push forward, he couldn't keep re- relying on Izuku. Exactly. Which you come to find out that Uraraka learns that as well later on. So it's it's good to see that everybody is acting that way. Yeah, and plus it gives a great excuse for the other 20 fucking characters in Class <laughs> 1A to you know shine a little bit of light so that we can learn more about them. Yeah. So it's great writing. Yep. This is the first time you get to see... like. Uh, Shoji's abilities at work. Yeah, I was going to kind of mention that that their plan that they had that Mineta came off with the top of his head (laughs) to just kind of cover him, and it worked. Who was their fourth? Um, Or was it just them three? Because I know it was was Sue, Mineta, and Shoji, but all the other teams were in four. Was it Jiro? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember remember Branch Dude protecting him. Uh, Sue grabbing him, and Mineta was the one that came up with the plan, and he could stick him if he wanted to. But yeah, I don't remember if they had a. Third that's one of my favorite well. plans. Um, was it Coda? No, no he Koda, was too big to be in there. Koda and I could have swore it was just Shoji outside. Uh, Ashido? I think it was Ashido. No, because was she, she was she was, <laughs> she was she was on Bakugo's team because she says that yep. the only reason why. She was on, or Bakugo wanted her was to kind of counteract uh, Todoroki's ice or something along those lines. Was it, No, I think it was Toru. No, because she wasn't. I'm trying to go from, like, the one-on-one battles, and I'm trying to, like, backtrack to figure out who it is. You know what? I have no idea. I don't know. Um, I'm not even going to continue thinking. <laughs> we're, we're terrible people, I guess. But it's all right. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with, it's it's not that important. Yeah. The point is, you needed to come up with as many band aid bandages as possible. The, the top four I know I bandages. That's weird. <laughs> the top fourteen point totals. Yep. Advanced onto the next group of a part of the tournament. Yeah, and it was cool. We got to see a lot of combination of quirks. It was awesome. Yep. Everybody did a great job. Bakugo had his team working out real well. Yep. Todoroki's team was working out real well. We saw class 2B, uh, 2B, is that the one? 1B. 1B, there we go, thank you. Uh, like, they had some good shit going on. Yep. And, of course, you know, our main character, Deku, he's coming up with some great plans. So much awesome shit's going on, and it, everything comes down neck to neck. Oh, hot, and then you, you find out uh, Hatsume. 
So she was the uh, support specialist student. Oh, the mechanical girl? Yeah, the mechanical girl that... I'm trying to remember. Her quirk was like Zoom or something like that. She could see super far away, which had absolutely nothing to do with her passion, which I thought was funny. Yep. And... Yeah, good point. She she has a passion for creation, but she her quirk is just so that she can see super close. I mean, maybe if she needs if she's working on her toys, like she can okay. zoom in super I mean, can close. Can she zoom into like what is it? Two miles? Several. Some, miles. It was it was something miles. I mean, zoom oh, in. Sorry, you can see. kilometers. Yeah, it Get would be kilometers. Get it right. This is Japan. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Everywhere, but um, yeah, she could see from super far away. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was uh, X amount of distance. Yeah, five kilometers. There okay. we go. And you, you get some kind of comedic relief because she kept getting super close to, like, kind of rubbing up on Izuku, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how she could help him. Had ab- absolutely nothing to do with any, like... Sexual business? Yeah. But then, of course, Uraraka's getting all jealous and flustered because she... You can see she likes him. Yep. And... Yeah, so that happened. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't... We don't have to really spend too much more time. Um... The, the teams who pass is first place is Todoroki, second place is Bakugo, third place is team, what did we say, that one, one B? Shinzo. Shinzo. Yep. Shinzo team. Yep. And team four is Deku. He not, went, Shinzo's not even one B because he's a general education student. Yep. Yeah, he's a gen ed student. Oh. He is attempting by winning the tournament to become a hero in the hero course. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He would so, just replace whatever class he knocks out. Yeah, right. some some student from whatever. Or 1B. Yeah. Right. So after this bandana stealing test is the final test, the good test. Where <laughs> the good where we test. Have, the good test. We're, <laughs> we're actually get to see some real fighting action, the actual tournament style stuff, and that's where everyone fights everybody. Yep. And round number one is Midoriya versus Shinzo. Shinzo. Yep. Which is the guy who, once again, if you answer one of his questions correctly, he can take over your mind. And he was about to make Midoriya walk out of bounds. Yep. And just before Midoriya walks out of bounds, all of a sudden he sees visions of his pre- precessors or whatever. Predecessors. Predecessors. God, why Still can't put D. that fucking D in there? Predecessors. <laughs> in the tunnel. And he can see all of the previous uh, all for one for all. God, I was confused. One for all users and for a quick second he's able to like i don't know what did he say flick his finger and all of a sudden boom uh, he blew up a little bit of the the stadium and he was able to regain conscious a little bit yep. and that's how he was able to fight back yep so that was really cool shit ton of information dropped kind of in that moment because yep. we got to see that this dude's a, the dude he's fighting is a badass we got to see midoriya's past guys like there's something that's real and yep. then we need you know, that obviously opens up a shit ton of questions and then we also have to see that you know Midoriya needs to win this fight one thing i will say is his ability to look at the previous one for all users will be important exactly and they do kind of tap on that a little bit I and that's at the end of four beginning of five somewhere in there yeah that, i mean that's where well, season five is where that we first, start to see it. Yeah, you first see it. Yeah. But we learn that All Might hasn't even tapped into any of that. Which when is you, my biggest question is like, why Why did it skip All Might? I think it had everything to do with All Might's ability to use one for all right away. That, that I can see that. 
So he didn't have that journey to learn it mm-hmm. where Deku's learning it and getting all the help through it. Right. And yeah, okay, so we didn't see All Might struggle with anything. So we didn't need him to tap into anything deep inside him for like, I don't know, uh, he was never on the edge. I mean, of course he was on the edge when he was fighting uh, one for all for one, but he was always relying on his, you know, just pure strength at that point. Like, but we see Midoriya, he's super tactical. So maybe he needs, he's thinking outside the box more often than All Might does. Well, he makes a joke because Zuku's like, well, what did you need? It's in the first season. What did you need to do to be able to use all for one right away or one for all, excuse me. Yes, it's and, very easy to confuse him too. And he's like, well, I don't know. It, I got it, and I was able to use it right away. I I thought it was funny. But it was just one of those things where All Might had absolutely no problems using one for all the moment he got the ability. Right. So, which is strange. He has such a scrawny-ass body too. Yes, which is he, – because he didn't have a quirk at the time. But I guess it was just one of those things where his body was more meant to work well with the ability he was using mm-hmm. um, because he was i mean even even when he's in his like small form or when you see him excuse me when you see him in the past he is bigger than everybody else taller yeah so yeah. Uh, it's just probably one of those things where his body is just more apt to sustain the ability right away sure and maybe he's just more apt more uh, i'm trying to think He's just better suited to use a strength quirk than what Deku is, who is smaller than a lot of people even in his class. They're the same size as a lot of people in his class, but he's small. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I can buy that. It would be really interesting to see what goes on from there. Um, I I really enjoyed the the fight with Shinso and Deku. What about about you? Did you take anything away from this, Tyler? From the Shinso fight? Just... Kind of like when um, President Mike and Eraserhead were talking. Mm-hmm. He knew he wasn't going to make it in the hero course. That's why he applied for Gen Ed at the same time. Because he doesn't have the capabilities of hand-to-hand fighting yeah. or anything. It, he knew it ahead of time. So he's he's not... I wouldn't necessarily say stupid, but he knows his weaknesses. Yeah, he was realistic enough to know where his downfall was, and he knew what the entrance exam was going to involve. Yeah, so he knew he was going to essentially fail it as far as the practical side of it was concerned. Mm. So it was really cool. And, of course, you know, from later seasons, you get to see him again so that's super awesome because i really like this quirk i think it's super it can be super useful so then so we're not just talking about every individual fight do we have a lance do you have a favorite battle in the one-on-one i I do have them all written down so let me just take 30 seconds to go through them all we have the green-haired girl versus kaminari (laughs) which was basically vines versus electricity uh the two, the second year or the team one B wins that one. We have Ida versus the support girl, which is funny. Which is funny because <laughs> the support girl gave Ida a leg up, and Ida ends up no no support girl ends up winning. No, she gives up. She, no, no, she, she had, no she wins that specific fight, but she ends up giving up. Oh yeah, her position I because I wouldn't necessarily she, say she wins. She just toys with them to use her. I mean, she did officially win. No, she, she lost. She never did. She, oh, no. she never let him walk out of bounds. Good point. Yes. She was about to win, and she's like, "No, like all I want to do is showcase 
my talents. And that's yep. all that turned out to be. Yep. And then we have uh, Ashio, the Acid Girl versus Belly Laser. That was just whatever battle. We have Tokyoma, <laughs> Tokyoma versus Momo. We have Sue versus Kirishima. We have Ochako versus Bakugo. And this is where things really start to kick off. So we got, you know, the, the love combo versus Bakugo. And this is where we... Because <laughs> we right. got to see... Sue should have been in there. They never made it. That was... Um... Oh, sorry, tetsu. sorry, Tetsu, Tetsu, yeah, I wrote Susu. His, his name makes me laugh, it's Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Yeah, it's just <laughs> four Tetsus, yeah. Tet, the, it was metal versus rock, yeah. yeah. So they ended up in a draw, and then... They had an and, arm wrestling. And then a couple episodes, I think I wrote down the notes a couple episodes later. But just, just to continue with the fights, uh, we had Ochako versus Bakugo, and this is where things start to get a little bit more personal. Because we find Ochaku wants to fight for her family. She wants to make money so that she can help them. Bakugo, you know, he's just Bakugo. He wants to fight. It sounds like it should be a very one-sided battle, but Ochaku fights back very well. She plays defense very well. She's got a great, you know, concept that she wants to play through on her own. She figured it out on her own. But in the end, Bakugo does end up pulling through, yep. which was, you know, just fine. And then we have we have uh, Izuku versus uh, uh, Todoroki, and then you have uh, which was an awesome battle. This is where we got to see all those honestly, finger flips. It's hands down, one through three is my favorite fight. Is Shoto versus Deku? Oh yeah, out of all of the because, seasons, this this battle right here. Yep, because Deku was able to get something out of Shoto that nobody has been able to. Yep, yep. he touched down emotionally. Like yep. yeah, the action was awesome. We got to see Shoto's ice blast coming at Midoriya at full blast, and he was able to do like a finger flip, you know, you know, Tagoro style finger flip, and then blow everything away, no problem. But of course, Midoriya was limited in how many finger flips he can do because he's going 100% on his body. Yep. I mean, he even rebroke his finger twice. That was the crazy part. It. Never expected that one yeah, the first time, I, I, like years ago when I first watched. I'm like, damn, he. Broke a broken bone. <laughs> Just obliterated his finger. Uh-huh. And the funny part about that was you can see that finger was dis- even, darker. even darker discoloration than the rest of his broken-ass fingers. So that I thought that was, you know, good writing. Or not writing, but good... Uh, animation. Animation, thank you. Yeah, it, it was... And then it was super fucked up. But they also bring up the fact that, you know, he's relying on Recovery Girl to heal him Very much through so. his injuries, which is... I mean, I can imagine people doing that all the time. It's like, hey, if you knew, no matter how far you push something and how broken you were, if you'd get healed, how far would you go? And I feel like, depending on what it was, a lot of people are going to do exactly what Deku did, which was just go way beyond what you should have done. Mm-hmm. So then, and then you have the Tokiami and Bakugo fight which was super one-sided and he talks about it and he's like, Hey, I'm basically your worst enemy or I'm your biggest weakness when it comes to fighting again. I don't remember exactly what fight Tokiyami was in where he, I, no, it wasn't even a fight. He talked to before the chariot battle, when he talked to his team that said light makes him weaker and it mm-hmm. makes him less. And then Bakugo, again, with how smart he is, was able to literally deduce that just by doing close blasts and realize he could not do as much. Yeah, I think and that was use an that against though. Them. He 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 re, he did say like I realized that you could not fight back as much when oh, yeah, I'm yeah. hitting you with close blasts, and then he just ran with it. Yep. He it was on accident that it happened, but he learned right. once he saw it. 
That's why he kept doing close attacks to be able to weaken him even more yeah, to he, where it wasn't a threat of her defense. The instant he attacked and Tokiyama's dark shadow kind of retracted a little bit, he knew that he would be against him. He said that he only talked to Shinso about it, the, the arm guy. and uh, Shoji. Shoji, sorry. And that that was the only person he had spoken to he, he prior to. He did talk to his to, team. Yeah, prior to the cavalry oh, okay, battle. Okay, okay. And so you have those two fights, and then you have the Bakugo versus uh, Todoroki fight. Oh, we okay. So just I think I up, skipped us. You did series. back up. All right. So episode twenty four, we have Ida versus Greenhair. Yep. And then we have Tokuyami versus Ashido. Yep. And then we have Bakugo versus Kirishima. Okay. Yep. So uh, Ida wins, Tokuyami wins, and Bakugo wins. And then and then episode is where we get introduced to the hero killer. Uh, Stan. Yep, and but, that's who, and he injures Ida's brother. Yep, and then after he, uh, Stan gets introduced, we have Ida versus Todoroki. Todoroki ends up winning, and then we have Bakugo versus Tokiyami. Tokiyami. Yep, and then Bakugo ends up winning, and then the final fight is Bakugo versus Todoroki. Yep, and then I mean, do you guys want to talk about that before we talk about how that ends? Uh, yeah, we we can. I will say I really liked this. It probably had one of my favorite moves in the probably one of my favorite moves of the the three seasons, and that was the the howitzer impact from Bakugo. Is that the one where he like spins in a yeah he does that like circle that explosion tornado? Yeah, I like that a lot. That's so cool. Yep, and it was I out of all three seasons, it's the first and only time you see it. Mm-hmm. You just came out of it out of nowhere. You never had saw any glimpse of it before. I, the, you want to know, like, is this something that he's done before you just haven't seen? Or is this just something he's like, let's try it and see if it works? It's probably something along those lines. I, yeah, I feel like Bakugo would just be like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go all out. Let's do something different nobody's ever seen before. Yeah, he's and, 0 to 60 in every battle. Oh, yeah. Shit, I would say he's 0 to 100 in every battle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just full sends. It was all out. But, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um we got to learn a little bit earlier that Midoriya taught uh, Shoto to, you know, use his fire as his own ability. It doesn't necessarily have to be his father's ability. So, you know, claim it as your own. Mm-hmm. And then this is where... Wait, actually, he doesn't use fire against Bakugo, does he? Nope. No. And then because he doesn't use fire... He charges it to start using it, and then he lets it die out as... Actually, when he's about to hit him with the howitzer attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Endeavor basically was like, yeah, show the world what your your... I made you for a reason. Exactly. And then like all of his desire goes away because he kind of realizes that he's doing exactly what his dad or Endeavor wants him to do. Yep. And any desire that he has to cut off his dad regrows to what it was previously to his uh, Zuku fight. Mm -hmm. So then Baku ends up winning because Shoto ends up holding back essentially i think he would have won anyway oh maybe because baku was yeah he's pretty damn powerful especially at that moment yep shoto was worn out a little bit shoto was worn out and i feel like bakugo's explosion is enough to get through his ice and then i mean fire isn't going to do as much against bakugo as it would against normal people because he can kind of just explode the fire in a different direction sure so i mean even if you want to get a little bit scientific with this i mean the heat from shoto's fire might only add to bakugo sweat make him sweat even more make him more powerful like you can go in so many directions with 
with any of this. Yeah, and so I don't think his ice would have been enough to go against Bakugo. Right. Especially at this point, like, Todoroki is a very strategic fighter, but Bakugo is still a step above him when it comes to fighting. Or at least I think so. Right. So, what about you? You guys think so or no? I'm on board. Okay. <laughs> um. So, then after... So, obviously, Bakugo ends up winning. Yep. And that's hilarious what we can get to <laughs> he's after. A, yeah, he's a... Well, He's a, it's hilarious because he's chained down. He's not happy with the way he won. Yep. Uh, we find out that Ida's brother is attacked by Stain. He's in the hospital. Ingenium. Yep. Ingenium, sorry. Ingenium. Slap Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ida's starting to get himself into a dark place because now all he can think about is getting revenge for his brother. Yep. Um, before any of this happens, um, the students need to pick out hero names. Well, I want to go back to... The sports festival first. Oh, we're not okay. You want to finish more with that? Yeah, because I well, I asked your favorite um battle, and I don't think we ever actually talked about talked about them. Oh, I mean, I'm gonna for me, it's the final one. Okay, go versus Shoto. Okay, so much explosive activity going on. Yep, and just the fact that you had how many heroes try to jump in and stop on you, and Cementos put up what like maybe 10 walls. No, that was was Deku, that was Deku and Toroki. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about the Horon fight. Never yeah, mind. You're thinking about that. your favorite fight. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so now that we're talking about it, Tyler, tell us tell us about yours. It it would definitely be the the Todoroki and Deku fight. It's just the fact that you had Cementos put up how many walls? Basically cement from between Deku and Todoroki. And they were still able to completely blast. Well, Todoroki didn't go anywhere because of his ice. Yep. But if his ice wasn't there, they both would have been full full sent to the other wall yep. behind them. And, and just so the much fact, power. And that's it's also explainable with Todoroki never using his fire. So he can't, I don't think he has control over it. So it's kind of like in a way with like with Deku, it's a hundred or zero. Mm-hmm. I also think because he was so emotionally out of control, or he had zero ability to control himself. Because you realize that a lot of his ability is tied into his emotions, just like Deku. So if he is going full out with no limitations, yeah, you you get that. In this fight, just Deku pulling out his pulling out Shoto's everything to be able to get him to use his fire and telling him, like, it's his quirk, it's not his dad's. So you, you make it what you want it to be is also what started their deep deeper friendship. Yep. Because before that, they weren't really close, and then after that, he was the first person to be able to touch down into Shoto's soul that far to be able to get him to use something he said he would never use. Ever. Yeah. yeah, one thing I really liked about this fight was you see that Izuku cares more about the individual than the win, which is one thing that you could complain about Bakugo is that Bakugo cares more about winning than anything else, which is kind of almost the same as All Might and Endeavor. Like if you really want to think about it, where Bakugo is a lot more like All or Endeavor while Izuku is like All Might. And it, it's just kind of crazy to see, but it's it was really cool to see how far Izuku was willing to push himself and just to get Todoroki to start breaking down those walls. Yeah. So, um, but as far as me, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, I would go with the Izuku for versus Todoroki fight would be my favorite. I did actually enjoy the Tokiyami 
and Bakugo fight only because you get to see more of Bakugo being strategic and being able to learn from just microseconds of information. Mm-hmm. So, and to be a little bit different. Um, so Lance, I know you want to talk about stain. So let's get, let's get into uh stain. Yeah. So stain was introduced in episode 24, maybe a tad bit earlier, but I, according to my notes, I wrote down 24 because he kills, doesn't officially kill at that moment, but he injures Ida's brother. Yep. So this is where the internship deal happens. And all of our class one, a guys branch off and go to other heroes so yep. that they can learn how to hero from professionals. We have Ida going to the city where his brother was injured. Very specifically, doesn't matter. He didn't give two shits about who the hero was. He just wanted to go after Stain. And then we have Adoria going for Grand Torino because he helped train All Might. And then we have Bakugo going for Best Genist. Yep. Why exactly did he go for Best he Genist? He went for Best Genist because Best Genist was one who... He was a top... He, he, he was a because top he was ranked. number four. Yeah. And that's yep. the only reason Bako, Bakugo went for him. But Best Genist went for Bakugo to reform him and correct his attitude. Yeah, there was that too. Really didn't do too much. Oh, uh, so just because we're talking about that. So you see at the end after the internship that Bakugo's hair stays in that order so do you think he styles his hair all spiky or is it naturally that way i know like how they said in the show is like oh it it trained itself that way and then somebody (laughs) pissed them off and it instantly puffed back up yeah exactly yeah which is why i'm like so which one is it then i have a feeling deep down he secretly liked it he just didn't want to show some show anybody that side a little bit of that yeah um rewind just a quick little bit the episode 26 is where they started talking about giving everybody their own nicknames their own hero names oh yeah the hero names yes um yes. so everyone eventually got their name minus ida this is not where ida chose his name to be ingenium but so, so it's three characters that don't have hero names right now like an official basis oh, yes well, i suppose it's bakugo doesn't bakugo, ida doesn't ida and shoto they both Either. No, Shoto does officially decide to keep his his name as his hero name. Okay, so different names as hero names. Oh, that's yeah. Definitely. It'd be okay. those three because Ida and Shoto go with Ida and Shoto, and Bakugo is just too aggressive. Too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> just right. a constant death and murder. Yeah. So Bakugo, Baku- oh. I got it written down. Bakugo decides to go with King Explosion Murder or Lord Explosion Murder, <laughs> <laughs> and both of them were immediately shut down. But the way he fucking yells it out is just obviously just carries on why he is such a favorite character. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, it was so funny that, but I mean, it was even better because midnight immediately rejected the idea of it being either of those things. Right. So like for Ayama, it was like, um, the sparkly hero. And then he goes on and ex like the King of twinkle, not the King of twinkle. Um, <laughs> Oh, man, it was something really stupid, and it was super long. Oh, this is so terrible. I am sorry, people. I can't stop twinkling. Is that his name? Or oh, is I, it, I think it or is. I think, it, I think that, that is it. what he wrote down and what yeah. it would be. So, so that was my question. My question is, so is he the shining hero, or is his hero name can't stop twinkling? I think it's first name shiny hero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember "Can't Stop Twinkling" ever being denied or anything. I no, know. I think she's. I think she says it's like that's. 
fantastic or something and then just moved on. <laughs> right? Yeah, because he was the first one after... Oh, man. Was it after Bakugo? I, I think, think Bakugo... First time he got rejected. Yeah, I think Bakugo immediately was like, King Explosion Murder, no. And then Ayama goes and says he's the shining hero. I can't stop twinkling. And mm. Midnight's like, yeah, that's a great name. And everybody's like, what What are our names supposed to be then? Because I have no idea what's going on. Oh, Yama's over here writing sentences as for his name. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, so that was all just for fun. Yeah. I mean, it needed to get done so that everyone had their official name. So it was all for good and fun. But the main point was that the next thing in line is actual stain, where we actually get into the meat and potatoes of stain. Yep. And what's going on is Stain eventually hunts down like this, what, Mr. Native or? Yeah, Native I think something. it's just Native. Native? Yeah, yeah, I think it was just Native. So he's hunting him down, and then Ida ends up finding him, and then Ida challenges him. Yep. And then Ida's in there. So they're in an alley, they're fighting. Ida eventually gets slashed, and we get to learn Stain's ability, which is licking, in, basically ingesting someone else's blood to immobilize them. Yep. And then out of nowhere, we get to see a more experienced Deku zipping through uh, this alleyway and saves Ida. And then this is because we learned that Deku has learned to only use 5% of his power at all times through Gran Torino. Yeah, because of the heating up of the The pastries. pastries. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to envision a microwave at this point. <laughs> well, he was trying to envision an egg in a microwave. Yep. And then the pastry, he tries putting all the pastries in at once and they don't get warm. So then he realizes like, hey, I can only, I only need to put so much of, in quotations, a pastry in mm-hmm. order to be able to actually heat up or use his quirk. It's, I mean, it's one way to do it, I guess. Yep. I mean... <laughs> Whatever makes it work, man. Yeah. It. It's like Gran Torino said. He's like, you're going to be happy with that reasoning and why you figured it out? <laughs> yeah. Pastry it is. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So Midoriya comes and saves Ida. And now we have Midoriya versus Stain. Yep. And then Deku realizes that he cannot win this battle. So he sends out an SOS on his phone. Yeah. He sends out his location. Uh, I think his entire class. Right. Well, he sent, so he sends that SOS as soon as he gets to yeah. the I think fight he kicks with stain. stain and then he sends it at the very uh, beginning without yeah. stain noticing. Right. Yep. So it, it wasn't a, I, it probably was like, Hey, I'm in way over my head and this is stain who's killed people. Right. So, yeah, so I, I got too far ahead. So, yeah, the only one to respond to this SOS was Shoto. Yep. He ends up showing up. So now we have Deku and Shoto versus Stain. Yep. We have Eat on the ground. We have Native on the ground. And then they all fight. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So then you learn that Stain's ability doesn't last as long on certain individuals. You based, see- on their, based on their blood type. Yep. Yep. And you see him going from kind of a strategic fighter to a... He was getting very desperate. Yeah. A de- starting, yeah, he was, definitely he was trying to, to end a fight against three people who could keep up yep. before heroes actually got there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So he, he starts going basically batshit crazy and going all out. And it's really cool to see. I thought this was a great battle because you see how basically fighting experience can help you even against people using strong quirks. 
So it, it was like it it feels super important, but the idea behind Stain was more important than Stain the individual. Right. It was, yeah, it was just the concept that it he was, was the, trying it to It was prove. the League of Villains. It was the League of Villains movement that got them bigger. Yep. Stain like you said, Stain himself wasn't the big. It was his ideology is what made everything big. Mm. Yep. And so they have their fight and then it was kind of crazy to see him essentially through sheer willpower kind of freeze everybody up at the end after the fight when he kills that Nomu and then is just giving his speech about how nobody, none of the heroes are worthy of anything minus All Might and technically Deku. Yeah, he threw him in there. Well, he he only threw him in there kind of passively. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the fight. He did acknowledge them, though, in the alleyway that he was someone worth saving. Yeah, or worth but, not killing. Anyway. Exactly, but because he got into it more, he was either kill him or be killed yourself. So I, I think that was the opening up to the world that Midoriya is worth saving because he's a real hero in Stain's eyes, and that's why the League of Villains got torn a little bit, because Shigaraki wanted him dead. Yep. But all the followers of Stain's ideology didn't want to touch him. Yep, and which you do find out in season three, so we can yep. talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you see after everything. Well, so one thing: do you did Stain die? Yes, he did officially die in, yeah, in episode he, thirty. I think he died in the hospital. Nope, he died in the middle of a speech. He was sitting there yelling out. And then all of a sudden he went blank, and that's because a broken rib pierced his lung. Well, technically, that one. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it killed him. I think it just put him in the hospital, and he went to jail. I don't I mean, think it killed him. I think it incapacitated him because he was so exhausted. And then no, I wrote it down. Oh, I mean, you did write it down, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean it's true. <laughs> he was in the middle of a speech. He was yelling to everybody, and then all of a sudden his eyes went white, and he was done. Maybe he didn't die in that exact moment. I think but I don't think at, he died right in there. In that exact moment is when they explained that a broken rib pierced his lung and he was rushed and they couldn't save him. Yeah, I, th- I think he ended up dying at, at the hospital or in transport, but sure. I think that is what did him in, though. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll go with. That was episode 30 if anybody wants to peek into more of that. I don't know. I don't think he died, but we'll, I guess we'll. Uh, you guys think he did. The world may never know. <laughs> Are you fighting this because you know something more in the future and they lied about this? I, I don't think they ever actually said he died. This is coming from subtitles that I've even read on top of English <laughs> listening. So they said he died? Weird. Weird. Okay. Yeah, a broken yeah, broken rib. Yeah. Um anyway, so you have Damn it, now I'm thinking too much. You know something. God I I doubt no, I, whatever. It, it's all good. Don't don't worry about it. So then you, you find out that the three individuals in the hospital get pseudo get yelled at. By the police chief dog. That was Stud- kind of funny. The students, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see that Ida I- Izuku. Dude, wait, wait, wait. I wrote right, right there, <laughs> episode 31, I wrote down a question. Like, what if Stain never died? Matt, I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> so I just like search. Did Stain. I can't say anything now because now you I know. You just fucked it up, it. didn't you? I know. I, I don't. I All it says is that I can't say it because I don't want to spoil anything for you. You just did. God damn it. You you ruined it for Okay, lions. well, the anime in episode 30 says he dies. That's all we can say legitly. Apparently, he doesn't. Thanks. All right. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm glad he comes back because obviously he was too big in season two. As far as it said, 
He's in prison. That's all it says. Mm, okay. At least that's all I read. And anyway, so um, so that just to kind of continue on, you it's kind of nice. I don't I don't know if nice is the right way to say it, but you see the students get in trouble because as we find out in season three, they don't have provisional licenses. They are not allowed to attack villains, whether it's Stain or anybody else. You are literally meant to be there to observe what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see the dynamics that are going on between the police and heroes and civilians. Cause I mean, if you're just some random person that doesn't have superpowers or quirks, excuse me, you would want, you know, that 14, 15 year old kid to help save you if they had the ability, but they're not allowed to, or at least the class, the first year class isn't allowed to at this point Mm -hmm. save anybody or do anything, but they can, they can save. They just can't use their quirks. They can't nor do or nor cause harm. Yeah. They can't attack the villains. And that's what they got in trouble for is they use their quirks against an individual. Yeah, you're you're right. Because if Ida were to have just used his reciprocal burst to save Native and get out of there really quickly, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble. He would he would have gotten in trouble for using his quirk in public. Because if you remember when they get to in season three when they get to the forest, yeah, they said it's private property. You can use your quirks here because okay. they don't have their license. They can only use their quirks in certain places. Okay. So he would have gotten trouble, just not as much for attacking someone. It would have just been for using his quirk in public. Yeah. So I think he wouldn't have gotten in trouble if like I think his name was Common, which is which is a weird name, but that's kind of whatever was the mentor that he was under. If common would have said, Hey, go save that person and then come back. He probably would have been okay. But the fact that he went off on his own, you're right. He wouldn't have been okay. Even if he was just saving somebody and running away. So it it was, it was kind of nice to see, but then you also see like, Hey, the police chief dog still kind of throws me off every time. Right. Is thanking those three individuals for saving everybody essentially and capturing Stain. So it, it was just kind of nice to see that, hey, even though you did something that is technically against the rules, you were doing it for the right purpose. Um, so then after that, I'm trying to think, that's when they go to the training for the, the summer training, right? Yeah, then everybody continues to split off. We get more information on all of our main characters learning under pro heroes. Okay. Um, and I mean, there was... The biggest takeaway I took from that was that all that experience that they learned didn't help them as far as their quirks are concerned. Because Bakugo raises his ability, in quotations, to throw the softball, I think is what it was. Or, no, no, jumping yeah. ahead. It was That's season three. Oh, that is season they're, three. They're in the woods for that. Okay, yeah. so what... What happens they're, after I the think same? they're working on their ultimate abilities. Oh, that, no, that's season three. That's season, season three. No, yeah, it's season the three's final it's, exams. Yeah, it's the final yeah. exams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't sure if they were working on their like ultimate ability before the finals or if it was in season three. No, that was for the provisional well, licenses. Yeah, provisionals. Right. Yep. As far as the rest of the one-on-ones go, 
like half of them were bullshit. Some people did learn one-on-one combat. We see Asui learn with the SEAL guy how to be more in turn. Like that was a good thing. Bakugo learned bullshit. Yep. Uh, um, we learned Uraka learned how to do combat with like knife training that we got to see in the, like foreshadowing for a future episode. Yep. So it was kind of like a hit or miss kind of thing. Like it was important and it wasn't important. Like shit was learned, but it wasn't like it touched base on the character or like the heroes that needed to show what they're learning because Uraraka was more of a support rescue type, but she learned that combat and self-defense, which in turn comes into use later in this, in the seasons. Yep. So I wouldn't really go too much into that. The entrance exams, basically all the entrance exams were you're going to pin two people that aren't really suited for each other against a teacher hero that is also a weakness to the two individuals that are in the team or the pairing final exams. Yeah. For the final exam. Um, do you guys have a favorite one of those? I mean, it's going to be the one that they honestly touched on the most, which is just going to be Deku and Bakugo just putting them. They only put them together just because they can't work together and it's forcing them to work together to be able to pass against all might. That's all my, who they both look up to. Yes, and... They didn't get along, and in the end, of course, they figure out something to make it work out. But yeah, I mean, sorry, I was going to cut you off. Well, no, basically, Bakugo gets knocked out, and Deku saves him by landing a punch onto All Might and kind of, like, shocks him enough to grab Bakugo to run away. Right. Because... I think it more stunned him because he didn't expect him to come back. He expected just to cross himself and win anyways. Yep. For himself. Mm -hmm. Because if Bakugo didn't cross, then Bakugo wouldn't have continued. I think they... It was kind of, I think it was one of those things where they could either call him a not winner or call him a winner depending on the situation. Because in the Mineta one... Saro. Yes, Saro. Saro got knocked out right away, so he didn't win. But I think in Bakugo's case, he would have won because of how much of a fight he put up the entire time. Basically, Saro just was out instantly. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, those are two sets of extreme. Because Mineta is the only one that won in that mm-hmm. scenario, which made it seem like if... Deku were to cross the line without Bakugo, would yep. Deku have been the only one to win? But yeah, of course he did put yeah. in enough work. Bakugo literally sacrificed himself for Deku to quote cross. unquote get help. Because he was like a sacrificial, I'm gonna go down so you can get out. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, so I, I can let I can understand that one. But I mean outside of that fight, there is no other fights after that. That that was the last So that was that was the last one. one. One thing I wasn't gonna touch base with it in the manga mentions section, all of those exams happened at the same time. Oh, that's very right. nice. I, I thought that was kind of... Simultaneously? Yeah. Well, I that, that's, no, a, that's a good idea. They weren't. No, no, manga, he's saying. In the oh, manga. In the manga. Okay, okay. So right. you had... They said you had 30 minutes to do it, so that's why in the anime you see some of them watching. Well, no, because uh, Baku, or, uh, Zuku is waiting and watching later on, but according to the manga, that they're all happening at the same time. And then because their go theirs goes finishes quickly, he gets to watch the other ones later okay. on. That makes sense. That makes sense in the manga side of it. I was gonna say because yeah, in the anime they're watching, and he didn't see a point in talking it over with Bakugo because he ain't gonna want to do anything. Yeah, and you know through the series that All Might can really only keep his 
form for so long. So that's also another thing is that he can't really... He can't really express that to be like, well, we can try to outlast him. Because yeah. that's something that really, I think he, think only the principal and recovery girl though. Yeah. And, I mean, it is three hours. So depending on how much he's done as far as super heroing is concerned previously in that day, it, it would also depend on the, that information. Mm-hmm. Um, Lance, do you have a favorite one, or is it going to be the Bakugo, Izuku, and All Might one? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with the main character fight. Okay. To me, that one was just the one that was... I mean, part of me wants to say the uh, Nature Kid and Earjack versus well, uh, Super the Mike. Present Mike. Mike. Present yep. Mike. Like, yeah, that was Coda. Just, that was just cool that, you know, there was some super echoey blast kind of thing, and we got to see Koda with his nature ability finally come into play. That's all cool, but, you know, it's still not as, like, action-packed as our MCs. Yep. I think outside of Deku and Bakugo, it would definitely be um, Momo and Shoto. Yeah, that was actually going to be the one I I would say. one Versus be- Ayazawa. Yep, yep, versus Ayazawa. Or, if I had to pick a different one, might be the Sue and Tokiyami versus the ectoplasm. Yep, the ectoplasm. I thought that was really cool uh, because you got to see some abilities of Sue that were beyond what we had known already. This, with her swallowing the cuffs and yep. her belly and puking them up like yep. a frog can do. Mm-hmm. And you you got to see dark shadow beyond just kind of being super like close. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So and using it as a defensive mechanism instead of an offensive mechanism. Right. Um, I really, I found the ending of the Mineta fight versus Midnight funny because he used her kind of BDSM uh, sadic, sadistic, sadistic masochism esque <laughs> qualities against herself. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like. I don't even know if it was actually planned or just kind of worked out in the sense that I think he was actually running away. Yeah. And he's like, well, try it. And just tried it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I mean, it worked. It, it did work. And it was it, it was uh, kind of funny. I thought that the ending fight was funny. Yeah. And then the other one was Power Loader, which was the pro hero that looked like War Greymon versus <laughs> Ida and Tail Guy. And how that one happened was Tail Guy and Ida basically had this stupid fusion thing going on. <laughs> and then Tail Guy uses his tail whip to make it to the exit and they end up escaping for a win. Oh, I mean, you did have uh, Kirishima and Soto against Cementaz. And they you oh, saw yeah, the, the very first, first one. You saw mm-hmm. the first loss. And yeah. that was them basically being overexhausting themselves. Exactly. Because they were yeah. just bullheading it instead of actually like thinking through it. Yep. Exactly. exactly. They were trying to pound straight through instead of trying to figure out a plan. And Cementos was like, I can do this forever, literally forever, and you will run out of steam eventually. Yep. So it, it was, I, I thought all, all the fights had their moments, and I did enjoy the Todoroki and, uh, Yayorozu won a lot. One of the biggest things was, I mean, you got to kind of see her get out of her shell and you got to see Todoroki kind of take a step back from just having to be the absolute best and or everything being his way, mm-hmm. which up to this point, you hadn't really seen that. So it was great character development for 
uh, Todoroki. After the entrance exam, you had they had that short break between the summer break slash summer camp thing that was going on and the entrance or the final exams. So they have the the pseudo act pool day, which normal went, uh, normal animes. It's the beach day. Yeah, n- normal anime stuff. Which, but went, at least this show was at least a little bit more censored in the sense that. All of our female service. students were wearing their like full one piece suits, onesies. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't like super erotic or anything of the sorts. And we get to see Mineta and Spark Sparky Boy get all sad that <laughs> can't see any like cleavage or anything of the sorts. Yeah, they can't be their typical teenage selves. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I did find funny was Aizawa coming in right at the end when they were going to have their last round in the tournament. Yep. And it was like, nope, it's five o'clock. Go away. Yeah. So we don't even get to see a winner. (laughs) Yeah. So that was was a cheap way to be like, okay, yeah, let me, this can get too out of hand. We can have anybody a winner if we really want it to be. So like, let's just stop. Yep. One thing I will say is that is not canon to the manga. The whole, the whole pool scene. The whole episode was not. (laughs) So Of, of course, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Uh, but then it's like fake fan service. It, yeah, it, it really is. Which and whatever. Yeah, it was fine. But then you have the last episode, which is them going to the mall, and you have Shigaraki. Basically, the biggest part of that episode was Shigaraki and the Deku encounter, mm-hmm. which Shigaraki is taking the walk to kind of find out what his convictions are. Yeah, and, and that's going to be a big one, especially for fans that have watched through. And watch season five because it's the um, the all villain academia or the villain academia, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah, so where it focuses on the yeah. villains themselves. Yep, so you, you kind of get to see the starting point of Shigaraki and his foundation for what he wants so, mm-hmm. or his convictions, as, as uh, I think that's what he called it. Something along those lines. Yeah, and that's also where you get to learn like the inside of Shigaraki's quirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where you learn what causes the cave because before you just thought if he touched you, yep. you get to cave. But that's where you learn that all five fingers need to be on you for his quirk to activate. Yep. Yep. And then he just sits there and taunts and teases Deku by constantly getting his finger close the entire time they're talking. Yep. Um, I wouldn't really say there's too much more to that episode. What about you guys? No. It's really the only thing about that episode was just it's a just a Shigaraki talk. encounter. It, it was only a couple minutes. Shigaraki just wanted to have a normal conversation with Deku and be like, hey, why are you the way you are? And then this is where Shigaraki gets a new flame set inside of him yep. so that he can once again have the passion and have to, a reason and a reason to lead this league of villains. Yep. So, so that was the purpose of the final episode of season two. Yep. So I guess it's all we have to talk about for season two. So let's take another quick break. And then we'll talk about season three. All right, and welcome back. Unfortunately, this is turning into quite a long episode. Um, 
we had to let Tyler go because it's late at night and, you know, we all have to work in the morning. And so that made, I'm just going to turn this into a part A, part B kind of series. So what you will see, obviously, from our title that this is episode A and I'll release episode B the week following. So this will be a closure for episode A. We'd like to thank everybody for listening. I hope that you guys can subscribe to us wherever you're listening to us. Please rate us because that's going to help a lot. Also, please go to YouTube and watch our Anime Lounge short flight episodes. Uh, At this current season, we are watching Licorice Recoil. It is a fantastic series, a great show. And we launch that every Monday. Just so you know. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out. That's weekly, and our podcast is bi-weekly, with the exception of this episode. But until then, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Ah!